We started our series last week, uh, Sermon on the Mount, and we're only covering a part of Sermon on the Mount, but we're going to be looking at the Beatitudes, and uh, we covered the first two last week. But let me uh, ask you this. We started memorizing verses as well. And so who has last week's verse memorized? Okay, Miss Rose, who else? Okay, several of you. All right, all right, all right, all right. Good, good, good. All right, this week's verse, Proverbs 3, 5, and most of you learned it as 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will direct your paths. Okay, so you can just learn the first part of that. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, right? And lean not on your own understanding, Proverbs 3, 5. That's your verse for this week. Again, stretch yourself, right? Stretch your mind, <laughs> right? Stretch your habits, your spiritual disciplines, okay? Many of you are reading through the Bible. Y'all reading through the Bible, right? Yeah. We got over 60-some people reading through the Bible right now, and this is really, really awesome. I appreciate all the comments that are coming in, and uh, many of you are encouraged by those comments as well. And, uh, and so let me encourage you, stretch yourself. If you haven't signed up to read the Bible with us, get with me after the service. We'll make sure you get plugged in to the right program and the right app uh, to do that so we can do it together. So today we're looking at um, Matthew chapter 5 and the next two Beatitudes. And the first one of, of this next set, is this, blessed are, and some of your translations are going to say this, blessed are the gentle, okay? But those of us who are old school, we learned it as this, blessed are the meek. And if you're like me, you went through most of your life scratching your head saying, what in the world does meek mean? <laughs> I don't know what meek means, but they're blessed. <laughs> Whoever the meek are, they're getting something that I'm not because I don't know what meek means. So I want to tell you today what meek means. It comes from the Latin word, which means this. Manu, or this is the Latin word, manu asutus, which means used to the hand. You're like, okay, I don't get it. <laughs> Still don't get it. Meek. What does it mean? Well, when Jesus says, blessed are the meek, this is what he means. Let me pull up my glasses so I can see. It's the idea that someone or something is being tamed, like a wild animal, like a stallion. You bring it under control of your hand. You use reins, you use a, a bit and a bridle, right, to control a horse. But before the horse is tamed, it's wild. And many of us, you can remember back on your wild days. <laughs> Some of you can, right? Right? But think about it. When you become a follower of Jesus, Jesus is saying, no, we're going to bridle this. We're going to tame this. We're you need to learn to control this. Blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. Right? So, blessed are those people who learn how to have some self-control. And let me just say this, you know, self-control, it's, it's really good, but, but many of us who have been Christians for a long time, you realize this, that self-control is not enough either. Because as much as you try to control yourself, yourself is not strong enough to control yourself. You need something outside of self-control. You need spirit control, right? That's, that's a remote control, <laughs> right? 
Now, aren't you glad that remote controls exist? Some of y'all remember the days when we used to have to get up and walk over and change the channel. You had to get up out of your seat, had to, out of your lazy boy, because you were a lazy boy, right? You had to get up and walk across and turn the station. With the pliers, yeah, because your knob fell off, right? Back in those good old days. And I tell you, some of those TVs still work now better than some of these new ones we got, right? You lose that remote and you can't do anything. You stuck watching PBS, right? So, so here's the thing, is that we, God, wants to use a remote control. And He, through His Spirit, controls us. Right? He helps us learn how to be gentle. He, learns, he helps us learn how to be meek. You see, many people used to think this, that, that um, meekness was weakness. But it is not weakness. Actually, meekness is your strength under control. It's your strength under control. It's when, man, you really want to get up on somebody, and you say, no, I'm not going to do that. Right? It's when you have the ability to back down. It doesn't mean that you're weak. It just means you're able to control yourself. Or actually, the Spirit has control of you. Because some of you, you remember the day, and you would even say this. Oh, you know, me 10 years ago? Oh, that was a different me. Because I would have gone off on somebody. I would have ripped somebody's head off. I would have been punching this or that, right? Amen. I used to have. <laughs> now, Miss Reba, I can't see you punching somebody. <laughs> She's like, oh, you don't know me. <laughs> but listen, many of us have things in our lives that other people would not even think about now. You know why? Because you're a different person. Because the Spirit has control of your life. I remember when I was younger, and I, I mean, I used to have a pretty bad temper. I'd get so angry. I mean, I would do dumb things. I would punch a wall. Right? I would, I would punch a tree. I was so angry. And I did. And, and, and you know, I mean, it's, a, it's amazing that my hands still work. But it was like, it's one of those things that I had to learn self-control. I had to allow myself to be controlled by the Holy Spirit and understand that, you know what? And, and we all need to understand this, that the fruit of the Spirit is what? It's not just love, joy, peace, gentleness, kindness. It goes on and it says, the last one, self-control. Maybe that's why it's last. Because <laughs> it's the last thing that some of us actually get, right? Is self-control. But, but you see, weakness is not... Meekness. Just because you restrain yourself or just because you refrain from doing something that you know is wrong or that you know is harmful doesn't mean that you're weak. Many of us grew up in the day and age too when it's like, okay, you know, if you're a man, you're not supposed to cry. That's a sign of weakness. That's not true, is it? It's not true at all. And the fact of the matter is this, is that Jesus himself wept. But you show me someone stronger than Jesus. You show me someone stronger than he who was able to take these nails through his hands, who was able to take people. And listen, me and my brother, we were getting fights over. Uh, listen, it wouldn't take anything more than this for him to put his finger in my face like this. Yeah. I'd say, boy, you better get your finger out of my face right now. Right? And I push it away. But then, if he ever spit on me, 
it was on like Donkey Kong, right? I mean, there were no warning. It was, dude, we were rustling, tumbling on the ground. I mean, it was, there was one time I actually had my shoe in my hand. I was hitting him on the head with it, right? <laughs> they did call the police on us one time. Actually, some our neighbors called the police on us one time. They're like, these boys out here in the yard, man, they're killing themselves. But you know, the fact of the matter is this, is that Jesus himself allowed himself to be spit upon. Again, how many of us are going to let that happen? And it wasn't just like a, it was coughing up phlegm and mucus. They were walking by and they were literally punching him and slapping him in the face. And you show me somebody in here who's not going to seek to retaliate. You see, that takes a different kind of strength to not respond. And even, listen, you let somebody even say something about you. It's not true. But you let somebody say something about you and what do you want to do? You're looking for revenge. You're looking to hurt. And here is Jesus and they are making up lies. They're saying things about him that are completely untrue. And they don't acknowledge that he is who he says he is. He has the power to just think. And the angels would have come and rescued him at a moment's notice. And yet, he showed meekness. Strength under control. An ability that we all, he says, you can, you can possess this. Blessed are you if you have meekness. Because meekness is actually a strength. And you'll be blessed. Why are you going to be blessed? You're going to be blessed because you're not going to be doing all the things that hurt yourself or hurt somebody else. You're actually going to be happy. You know what? After I punched those trees, I was unhappy. <laughs> After I hit that wall, I was unhappy. Oh, it felt good for a moment. But then the pain endured for a long time. And you see, what happens when we're not able to respond in meekness, you know what? That pain and those things that we inflict on ourselves or on others, it remains for a long time. We have to be meek. Jesus says, you're actually going to be blessed if you're meek because here, listen to this. How many of you have had this happen that somebody's, re re they're, they're surprised at how you responded? They're expecting one response, right? And then they're like, wow, you, you, you didn't respond the way I thought you were going to respond. They were expecting to get their head chewed off, you know, spit back out, knocked off. I mean, they were expecting some kind of response. You know why? Because that's how the world responds. That's how everybody else who's not a follower of Jesus responds. But you are a Christian. You're a follower of Jesus. And so you don't respond that way. Because... Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the kingdom of God. You see, meekness is not a weakness. Meekness is your strength under control. So let me ask you, how are you doing on that? You see, Jesus is like, he calls all of these people together. He comes up on this mountain, you know, and they're just kind of sitting there and they're, they're talking. And, and the first, this is Jesus' first sermon. This is the first things he's telling his disciples. And he calls them all around. And he says, hey guys, I got something to tell you. He's like, uh, you're going to be blessed. 
when you're meek. They're like, what? What are you, what are you talking about? Have you seen the way that the Romans treat us? Have you seen the way everybody else is here? I mean, come on, man. You're the Messiah. We want you to bring in this kingdom. Come on, let's turn some temple tables, right? But you see, here's the thing, is that Jesus did show some strength. He did flip some temple tables, but his was righteous anger. How many of us get angry about the wrong things? Oh my goodness, we're angry about... uh, They ended my Netflix series. I mean, you, you, you just ready to call your, your senator, you know? You're just like, what? Tell, tell Netflix to put another one out, right? You're just upset about the wrong things. How many of us are really ready to be upset about the right things? That, that we would practice some righteous indignation. That we would say, you know what? This is enough. Enough. And we're going to take a stand for the things that really matter. There's so many things that people are fighting for in America and and fighting against in America. You know, as Christians, I think we have to be careful using that word fight. You know, there's enough fighting. Jesus says, this is how we fight in my kingdom. You don't fight. You're meek. You turn the other cheek. And then you turn the other cheek. And maybe that's all. <laughs> because you got two cheeks, right? But you see, Jesus, Jesus is telling them there's a different way to live. And as a follower of Jesus, the first things that he's telling his disciples is this. You don't respond the way everybody else responds. When someone does you wrong, you don't turn around and you don't do evil back to them. So he said, that's not my way. And if you're going to follow me, that's not going to be your way. And so for us, when we start moving into this relationship with Jesus and we start saying we're going to follow him and we're going to start doing the way that he does and we're going to start living the way that he lived, this is what he's talking about. This is a very practical sermon that he's saying this. You need to watch your attitude this week. You need to watch how you respond to people this week. You need to watch how you you act and react when somebody does you wrong. Even out on 85. (laughs) When you get cut off, right? Because listen, some of you got that fish on the back of your car. You need to take it off. (laughs) That's why I don't have one. I don't have a fish on my car. I don't want people to know when when I get upset. Right? This is why we don't have new vision bumper stickers. Okay? There's a reason we don't do some things. But I want you to understand that what you do, no matter where you are, is communicating something. And they're the people who you work with. They know you're a Christian. You don't have to walk around with a, with a Christian t-shirt on all the time, you know, let everybody know you're a Christian. They know. But what they're wondering is, are you really going to act like one? Are you going to really act like one? Are you going to really act like Jesus, the one that you say you follow? You know, Gandhi is famous for this quote. He said, I love your Jesus. I just don't like his followers. Because as Gandhi studied Jesus, he was like, hey, I see how Jesus is. But all the people who say they're with Jesus, they don't act like him. 
And so Jesus, when he calls his first disciples together, and it wasn't just the 12. I mean, there were a lot of people there. And he's telling them all this. He's saying, hey, guys, listen, I've got a new way of living for you. The good life. This is the good life. The good life is this. When you don't respond like everybody else does, that you respond with meekness, with gentleness. So here's the question. When the next time comes and you have to say that harsh word, is it going to be harsh or will it be gentle? The next time that you have to correct someone, will it be in a spirit of anger and meanness or will it be kind and gentle? You see, Jesus says, you're going to be blessed when you are gentle. How do you handle other people's feelings? How do you handle other people's hearts? How do you handle other people's lives? See, Jesus says, I've got gentle hands. And I handle people carefully. You know why? Because as a Christmas story tells us, we're all fragile. <laughs> we're all fragile. And you know what? Each of us is just like an egg. It doesn't take much for us to be cracked. So be careful. Be gentle with one another. This is the way of Jesus. This is what he's teaching him. And he's saying, yeah, it's hard. It's difficult. There's nobody in this room who would, who's been a follower of Jesus who wouldn't say, it's, yeah, it is. It's difficult. But you know, happiness comes when you don't give people what they deserve or expect. You know, isn't that a blessing itself? You see, this is grace. This is grace when you give someone something they didn't deserve, something they didn't expect. And all of us just came through Christmas. And you know what? It's like, yeah, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Some of you are like, oh, I feel pretty good when I, when I chew them out. <laughs> Listen, it's much better to give gentleness. You'll be happy, and they will too, when you are meek. But this requires us to bring every thought and every action under control. So what do we need? We need some more submission. Remember our s'mores? We need some more submission. We need to submit ourselves to the Holy Spirit. We need to submit ourselves to God. We need to submit ourselves to God's Word. Look over at James 121. James 121. I didn't bring my Bible up here. So once you get it, I want somebody to read it. James 121. Use those Bibles. Okay, who's got it? All right, Darren. So get rid of all filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts for it has the power to save your souls. Okay. He says, humbly, meekly receive the word of God. What do we need to submit to? We need to submit to God's Word in our lives. We have to understand that God's Word is our ultimate authority. 
You don't have to like what I'm saying today because I'm not the one saying it. It's God's word that says it. Jesus is the one. I mean, if you've got a red letter Bible, you can see it. It's in red letters. This is what Jesus said. This is not what George said. This is what Jesus said. Jesus said, you need to be meek. Jesus said, you need to learn self-control. Jesus said, you need to submit to God's word. That's God's word. And so for us, if we're going to be stretched in 2020, this is an area where some of us are going to be stretched in this area of meekness. How do I become more gentle in the way that I deal with people? How do I become more gentle in the way that I respond to people? You see, sometimes it's not about what you say, it's how you say it. Let me say that again. Sometimes it's not about what you say, it's how you say it. Right? Because some of us, our tone communicates so much differently than what we're saying. Right? So you got to watch your tone. Is your tone gentle? Is your tone loving? Is your tone kind? And so we submit our thoughts, we submit our hearts, we submit our actions to God and His Word through His Spirit. All right? Look at this. You also have, we need some more submission, so we need to submit to God's will. We need to submit to God's will. You remember Jesus when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane? What did he pray? He prayed, not my will, but your will be done. He, he prayed this, Father, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me, but not my will, your will be done. He made his request known. Just because you're submitting to God's will doesn't mean that you're not letting your request be known. You can let your request be known. You can bring everything to God. He invites everything that you want to bring to Him. You can. But you also need to come with that caveat saying, it's not my will, it's your will. I'm going to bring you my request, God, but here's the thing. I submit my will to your will because I don't know the best thing for me. I don't know the best thing for them. But I want your will because your will is the best thing for everybody. Now think about that. How many times have we responded not out of meekness? We've responded out of anger. We've made emotional decisions. We've done things we shouldn't do. We've said things we shouldn't said because we didn't bring ourselves and submit ourselves to God's will. We said, oh, I'm just going to do this. I'm not going to pray about it. I, 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 I'm just going to do what I want to do. I guess you're in a lot of trouble. And so Jesus himself is, again, our model. And he says, I submit myself to the Father's will. And if Jesus submitted himself, then we need to as well. So let me ask you, when something comes in your life, that's unexpected or not explained, what's your response going to be? It needs to be meek and say, God, I don't understand. I don't know what's happening. I don't know why it's happening. But I humbly submit myself to your will being done. God's will can be done in your life even if God's will isn't being done by everybody else. You understand that? 
that you can accomplish God's will for your life, even if God's will isn't being lived out by everyone else. Because God is able to do that. God's able to work His will and His way in your life, regardless of what everyone else is doing. So you need to submit yourself to Him. And if you submit yourself to Him, look at what happens because Jesus submits Himself to the Father's will. Jesus dies on the cross. But because he dies on the cross, salvation is made possible for the entire, for all of humanity. Everyone benefits because he submitted himself. Listen, if you submit yourself to God's will, God will bring things out of it that you can't even see. God will bless you and he will bless others because of your obedience to following God's will. But you have to be willing to do that. You have to be willing to suffer and even undergo things that no one else will understand. Are you okay with not understanding? (laughs) Because there are many of us who want to know how it's all going to play out. But that's not faith, is it? Faith is taking steps and trusting God. Acknowledging Him in every way. Leaning not on your own understanding, but acknowledging Him and letting Him direct your path. Some translations say this, He will make your path straight. Isn't it crazy how God can take a life that's lived like this and just go, whoop, and He can straighten it all out in the end. I don't know how He does it, but He does. And so if you will just submit your life to God, He will make the path straight. He'll work it all out in the end. You just keep following Him. You just keep responding in meekness and letting God change your life. The second beatitude in this group, blessed are the, or are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. So what is righteousness? What do you think? Things are according to God's will. Yeah, okay. You don't have to think too hard. Just take the word apart. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Righteousness is doing the right thing for the right reason in the right way. It's pretty simple. I mean, it's not like, you know, we we have this hyper-spiritualized word. No, righteousness is just you living right, you doing right, you acting right, you believing right, you responding right. That's righteousness. It's you getting upset about the things that upset God. That's righteousness. Righteousness is whenever we see something that's wrong and we seek to make it right. Righteousness is whenever we see something good and we celebrate it. Righteousness. We sang that song from Matthew 6, Seek first the kingdom of God, and then there's this little parenthesis there, and his righteousness. And then all these things will be added to you. But you see, what happens is this, is a lot of people are seeking God's kingdom, but they're not seeking God's kingdom and his righteousness. They're seeking God's kingdom and their kingdom. Mm. You can't have both. Some people are seeking God's kingdom, but they just want God to be like a butler, right? 
Oh, we want everything, we want everything to be good. You know, that's what God wants. But, but, you know, I want God to do it my way. God doesn't work that way. God's not going to do it our way. We do things God's way. That's how it works. And so when we're saying, I'm going to seek first your righteousness, he says this, blessed are those who hunger and thirst. Now, I'm going to be honest. I'm a little thirsty this morning because I started that Daniel fast. How many of you are Daniel fasting? Okay, good, good. All right. Those of you who didn't know, we've invited the whole church to do a Daniel fast from the 10th through the 31st. So many of us are just on fruits and vegetables and water and juice, nuts. That's about it. Um, and I've done all kinds of different fasts before, but I haven't done this one ex- uh, explicitly. So I'm doing this. One. So I'm a little thirsty this morning. I'm also a little hungry this morning, right? And, and so talking about blessed are those who hunger and thirst, I can say a little something about that right now. Because I am a little hungry. I did order Chinese. And for all those, for all, uh, you can have vegetables. You can, yeah, you can have vegetables and, and noodles. So, by the way, we are having mandatory volunteer training. And everyone who stays for that today gets to enjoy wonderful Chinese food. But you see, he says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst. Let me ask you this question, honestly. When was the last time you were actually hungry? Now, we say it all the time, and I've been to countries where people actually really are hungry. You, like me right now, you're just experiencing what we call an appetite. You just, you just got a little appetite. It means, yeah, you're having a little craving. When we go away on mission trips, you know, we stay away from now, it's only about 10 days. But I've been places where I've stayed for a month or whatever. I've been to Australia, I was there for seven months. I mean, uh, seven weeks, uh, two months. And, and so... You know, I've been away from home for a while where I, I was like, man, I can't wait to get my hands on that Whopper. You have these cravings, right? When you've been away from something, you know, you, some of you may have craved your mom's home cooking, right? You go to these, these Korean places here in town and they make bulgogi, but they don't wait, make it the way that my mom does. <laughs> it's not even close, right? Y'all have my mom's egg rolls. And I'm telling you, there ain't no other place that makes egg rolls like my mom. And, and, and so here's the thing, is that we have these cravings for something that we've tasted before, right? But Jesus says, blessed are those who hunger. Blessed are those who thirst. You've said it, your kids have said it. I'm about to die. I need something to drink. You are, not, you are not about to die. If you're about to die, it's because I'm going to take you out, right? <laughs> so like, no, you ain't about to die. You're not going to die of thirst. There's water everywhere. There's drinks everywhere. You're not going to die. Oh, I'm, I'm starving. You ain't starving. You, yeah, right. We really don't know in America. We really don't know what it is. To say that we are hungry. And so when Jesus says this, he says, blessed are you when you were really hungry. When was the last time you were actually really hungry for the things of God? When was the last time you were really like saying, God, I am so thirsty. I need you. But we're not hungry and thirsty. You know why? Because we eat a lot of junk food. 
We drink a lot of junk drinks. But this is what you've got to understand, and I didn't really understand this until, you know, maybe a few years ago. The more that you drink a soft drink, the more thirsty you get. Yeah. Because the soft drink is not created to quench your thirst like Gatorade says. <laughs> it's made to make you more thirsty. Many of us eat junk food. You know, you know what happens with junk food? You get hungrier. It doesn't, it doesn't satisfy. And you see what Jesus says here. He says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Let me ask you, are you satisfied? Satisfied with life? I'm here to talk to you about the good life, and the good life is a life where you're satisfied. Good life is a life where you're actually filled well, you know, some of you, those of us who have eaten salads, you know, that, that burns off pretty quickly, you know. You're like, man, you know, I need something else. Like, now I need something else. It's still good for you. But Jesus is saying this. He says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst. It's like a perpetual hunger and thirst. Just because salad burns off quickly doesn't mean I shouldn't eat it. It's healthy. It just means I've got to come back for some more good stuff, right? And, and so the good stuff... The good life, you got to keep coming back for more. You got to keep coming back for more. And Jesus is saying this Blessed are you when you're continually hungry for me and for the things of God. Blessed are you when you're thirsty for me and the things of God. Blessed are you when you don't satisfy your cravings with something that's not going to satisfy you. Because let me just tell you this somebody's lying to you. It's either me, commercials on TV but somebody's lying to you. Drink this beer. Tastes, tastes great. Less filling. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely less filling. But I don't know how it tastes great. I've never had alcohol, but from what I understand, beer doesn't taste that great when you first start drinking it. Right? But this is what's amazing! This is what's amazing. You get over it. <laughs> you got over it. Some, some people just, they were like, oh, I hated the way it tastes, but I drink it all the time now. <laughs> Smoking. I've never smoked a cigarette, but I've seen enough TV shows where they take the first puff and they're... <laughs> now tell me, what happened? You got over it. You've been puffing away now for years. Here's what happens. You acquired a taste for it. How is it that we can acquire a taste for drinking? We can acquire a taste for smoking. We can acquire a taste for almost everything, but we can't seem to acquire a taste for righteousness. How many of us want righteousness? To say, God, I want this. And even though I may have never had it, I'm going to try it. Because if I try it, I just might like it. Amen. Some of you had that with your vegetables. <laughs> Growing up, you've seen all those, those times when those kids are trying, you're trying to feed those kids those vegetables. Man, they'll eat the sweet stuff, but you put that vegetable in. Right? And they make these faces, and it's just like the worst thing on the planet for them. 
And for some of us, it's the same way when we're trying righteousness. We're like, oh, oh man, this just tastes so bad. Oh, it's just so hard to be righteous. Oh, I can't even... Ah! But what did that verse tell us? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. The Psalms tells us this. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see. Some of us need to acquire a taste for righteousness. Some of us need to try some righteousness because you just might like it. And as a follower of Jesus, Jesus says this. It's the only good life if you're living a righteous life. Are you willing to taste and see that the Lord is good? You know, I, uh, I, I like to eat steak. I, I love meat. and So giving it up is a challenge sometimes for me. But, but uh, I remember when I was younger and even up until maybe, you know, five or six years ago, I, w- I was just like Jesus. You know, I'd go to a steakhouse and I would be like, they'd say, how do you want your steak? I'd say, well, like Jesus does. Well done, good and faithful server. Well done. But then, <laughs> then I heard that somebody said, you know, you really ought to try your steak medium. You really ought to try it medium. I was like, I don't know about that, man. You know, you're pushing it, pushing it, pushing it. And so I was like, okay, let me, I, I'll, I'll go to the steakhouse. I'm going to try it medium. And man, when I ate that steak, it's like it was buttery and melted in my mouth. And I was like, oh my goodness, what is going on? I've been missing out. I've been missing out. This steak is so good. Because you see, it wasn't until I tried it. Some of you, all this talk about righteousness, all this talk about God, all this talk about Jesus, all this kind of stuff. You're just like, oh, no, you can't be as good as the life I'm living. Look, just try it. Just try it. Because I promise you, if you try it, you're going to like it. If you will just follow Jesus. Because he said this in John chapter 10 and verse number 10. He said, I have come to give you life. Not just any life, but the good life. But you can't have this life apart from me. And he said, I'm not, he said, I'm, I'm the truth. I'm going to tell you the truth. There's a thief, and that thief is looking to steal, kill, and destroy. And if you think the enemy is going to tell you the truth, you've got another thing coming. If all you're hearing is, is, are these voices about how good the, the life in the world is and all this stuff. Listen, we, I got a notification the other day, you know, of, of in, in our neighborhood, there were people coming around stealing boxes, you know, gifts and stuff. And, and uh, so the ring notification sends out these alerts and saying, you know, be aware, these people are in, you know, your neighborhood, they're stealing your boxes. Now we've got technology, we can see who those people are, you know. But, uh, but listen, a real thief... He's not, going to be, he's not going to be letting you know he's coming. He's not going to be coming up, knocking on your door, saying, hey, I'm about to steal your presence. Hey, I'm about to steal your, your joy. Hey, I'm about to steal your life. He's not going to tell you that. An enemy is not going to let you know his plans for your life. An enemy is going to tell you everything that you want to hear. An enemy is going to tell you everything that you think is, oh, you know, wow, God's holding out on me. God is not holding out on you. God is trying to save you for everything that's good and for everything that's right. 
we'll close with this. You know, in the Garden of Eden, when God created Adam and Eve, a lot of people get all over God, you know, about this. Oh, God told them that they couldn't eat of the tree. They couldn't. They, he's the, he came down with this commandment, you know, don't eat from the tree. That's the first thing God said. That's not the first thing God said. If you look at the scripture, you'll see that the first thing God said was this. Freely choose. See, God's always a God of choice. God's always a God of freedom. And God said this to you today. Freely choose. But if you want the good life, don't choose the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Don't choose this path because this path leads to destruction. Choose a hunger and thirst for righteousness. Let's pray. So today, maybe you're here and a lot of this is foreign to you. Let me ask you, do you have a relationship with God, with Jesus? This is how we have self-control. This is how the Holy Spirit comes and lives in our lives, is that there's a point in time in our life when we acknowledge that we need Jesus. And so if you're here today, I want you to know that right where you're sitting, you can invite Holy Spirit to live inside of you. You can step into the good life right there in this moment by simply saying, God, I need you. We sang that song, Lord, I need you. Every hour I need you. You're my one defense, my righteousness. The Bible tells us this, that if we will confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, the Bible tells us this, we will be saved. So today, where you're sitting, have you ever done that? If you've never confessed Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, let me encourage you to do that right now and say, dear God, dear Jesus, I need you. Forgive me of my sins. I believe that you are who you say you are. And I want you to be the Lord of my life. And today, I'm asking you to give me a hunger and a thirst for righteousness. I want to step into your life, the life that you have for me. And today I want to acknowledge that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. If you're praying that today for the first time, I'm going to ask you to do a little something courageous. Just slip up your hand and say, hey, I just prayed that prayer. Not because I'm going to embarrass you. I just want to be able to pray for you. Is there anyone who would say, hey, that's me this morning? I prayed that prayer. Christians, how you doing on meekness? How you doing on hungering and thirsting after the things of God? There's nothing wrong with saying, God, I, I need to be more hungry. You see, what we need some more of is passion. So God, today I pray that we would become more passionate for the things of God. That God, we would be passionate about the things that 
you're excited about. That, God, we would desire above all things to see your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Father, help us to live in such a way that our lives honor you. We pray this in Jesus' name.